0: I also uh, uh, wanted to inform you that the meal that we're having next week is being catered. Uh, the company is called Pinions. Is that correct? Yes. And uh, so there's going to be baked chicken and roast beef and fancy, fancy things, and we'll eat on paper plates. And no, I, I don't know. We haven't quite figured that part out yet. But uh, this will be a nice, uh, a nice dinner. We do encourage uh, members of our congregation here at New Life um, to help serve that dinner uh, and to bring a dessert help. So if you're interested in that, uh, please do that. Uh, We've been praying here in this acting like the church. Of course, last week we didn't have worship. uh, We had a wonderful event. Thank you for everyone who came out to Seeds to Succeed. uh, Just a great time. Three of our schools in our area are a little cleaner and a little nicer than they were um, last week. Uh, And then uh, we uh, assembled uh, at least 40 complete backpacks, although we had extra school supplies. So 40 backpacks with school supplies in them. Uh, we also had projects going all over our community and all over the northern part of our state and a lot of excellent things, and we had a great t- time of celebration uh, s- last Saturday evening. Uh, but in this Acting Like the Church series, we've been doing the Apostles' Creed. This is an early creed or a statement of belief from the early church. Uh, we attribute it to the apostles. It was probably written a little bit later than uh, they were alive, uh, the first followers of Jesus. But uh, let's read that together if we can pull that up. I hope. (laughs) I'm having some deja vu. There we go. Thank you, guys. They work hard up there. I appreciate that. All right, let's read this together. Um, You know, if you're not comfortable with this, you can just uh, kind of follow along with us. But uh, this is kind of some of the basic affirmations of faith that we believe as followers of Jesus Christ. Let us read this together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. On the third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Uh, if, amen. If, if you're interested in what any of that means, if tho- that's that's some insider words that we use and a lot of uh, deep theological things going on there. Uh, we do have a class called New Life 101, and you'll hear more about that when we uh, start that back up in the fall. And basically, New Life 101 goes through what that means uh, and all of those things. So that's a great time to learn a little bit more about that. but. Of course, you're welcome to email or talk to me or call me or uh, ask me any of those questions as well. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we will begin uh, the teaching time of our service. Let us pray. Lord, now as we delve into your word, as we open the scriptures and peer into the messages you have to say to us, we ask that you open our hearts, that you free our minds, that you fill us with your love and Holy Spirit, That we may truly hear your message for us as a congregation, but also for us as individuals. We thank you and pray in your holy name. Amen. Started with a little video tonight, I believe. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? obviously some of you knew that. Uh, that's, the, that's the opening for those who, who have no idea what that was from. That's the opening from the long-running, I believe, 10-season sitcom called Cheers about a Boston bar and the owners, uh, workers, and patrons of that bar. Uh, I wanted to play that, um, uh, of course, because a lot of us know that and have fond memories of the show and the spin-offs. But That song that many of us have come to know after watching that for years really gets to the heart of what I believe people are looking for. Uh, Now, you can go online and look at the entire lyrics. It's actually a fairly long song, and it's a little racy, some of the lyrics. But uh, the lyrics that we know the best are are these. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. I think they're on the screen, too. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles, and then at the end, people, are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Now the characters in that show, Cheers, went there because they had this sense of community. You know, they would walk in the door and everybody would yell their name or, or kind of greet them because there was a wonderful, wonderful community there in that bar. People in the real world look for those things too. They go to bars or clubs or join social groups or activities. They even join gangs looking for a sense of community. Now, as Christians, as people who follow Jesus Christ, we believe that the best place to live out a true community is this place called church. Unfortunately, for a lot of people over a lot of years, church has not been a place where everyone knows your name. Church has not been a place where people are glad that you're here. Church has not been a place where people are all the same. Now, one of the reasons that people are hesitant to come to church, I think, is because there's a lot of preconceived notions about rules. You have to be a certain way or act a certain way. You have to live a certain way. There's a lot of guidelines for how to be part of church. And uh, for those who have no church experience, it's even more, Um, because they they see stuff on the television or they watch stuff in, you know, uh, situation comedies or uh, even movies that kind of portray the the certain kind of rules that you have to live by the church. So I went online and I got uh, an actual list of rules that are posted outside of a church. It is not a church anywhere near us, uh, so we're not making fun of anybody else, but uh, it is an actual existing church, and these are their rules if you want to be part of their congregation. Uh, and this is posted outside their church uh, wall. So you, before you go into the church, you read these rules. So uh, uh, hear these. These are, these are church rules. As you enter the church, remember that you are going to stand in the presence of the king of heaven. The same king. I like they really emphasize this. The same king who has billions of angels and saints trembling in, in utter fear and terror before his throne. That's, that's like a place you want to go, isn't it? When you come to church, you should be dressed appropriately and modestly, and, and I think that's probably a good rule no matter where you go. It's not too bad. As you enter the sanctuary, this I love this. I, I hope all of you do this as you enter um, our wonderful gym here. As you enter the sanctuary, you should silently pray, Lord, show mercy on me a sinner while I am in your presence. makes you feel good. starts out the night, right? Always get to church well before service begins. We are not good at this. It's okay. That's why we have 15 minutes of fellowship. Do not enter the sanctuary late as it will disturb others who have made it to church promptly. While you just start church 15 minutes late and you don't have that problem. If you encounter friends or acquaintances, and this is a good rule we should probably enact here. Uh, We probably don't need a vote on it. Greet them with a silent bow of the head. Private conversations long glances, these are dangerous, or inside jokes, which we have none of them here, are forbidden. Not, not just um, because, but they are forbidden because they are sinful by their very nature. So watch long glances, young people. <clears throat> straight, to, straight to hell, so be careful. Well, in church one should always stand when asked to stand. Only the weak or ill are permitted to sit when everyone else is standing. That's very inclusive language. Do not leave the church until service is completely over. They, given this, they probably locked the door, so that's not an issue. <laughs> leave in a state of silent reverence. If you see anyone violating these rules, please inform them promptly. And also inform church leadership. Now, the, I, I, I didn't bring this up to make fun of this church. But these are actual rules for an actual church. And this is a lot of what we think. You know, we we think you have to act a certain way or be a certain way. And some churches have rules like this that are are not, at least this church posted them on the wall, on the website. A lot of churches have rules like this that are silently spoken and that people are just expected to know. And so people go in and they break the rules not knowing and they feel ostracized or maybe they are ostracized. Well, why do you think people go to bars? Here's, here's bar rules. Number one, the bartender's never wrong. Number two, if the bartender is wrong, see rule number one. Life at the bar's a lot easier than life at the church. That's why people go to those places. That's why uh, that, that song brings back so many memories. That's why that show was so inviting because it was a nice place where you didn't have to dress a certain way or act a certain way. You could really be yourself. So maybe if church was a little less threatening than our local bar, we would have a better chance of including more people. As we continue acting like the church today, we're going to take a good look at what the church should really be like. To do that, we return to the book called Acts of the Apostles. Remember, this is in the New Testament. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, get them out. If you have your... uh, application here. Get it ready. I (laughs) just touched my thigh. That's kind of (laughs) awkward. If you have your phone or your iPad or anything, you can open that application. That's what I was talking about. (laughs) Now that we're all on the same page. And we're going to be reading from the second chapter of Acts, verses uh, 42 to 47. Remember, Acts was written by the apostle Luke, who also uh, wrote the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. Uh, and he is now writing kind of the rest of the story, the story of the early church. So this is the description of the first church, of the early disciples, of the early people who called themselves Christian. I believe uh, there is so much in these few verses that really tell us what church should be all about. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to breaking of bread, and to praying. And awe came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed came together and had all things in common. They sold all their possessions and goods and distributed them to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple, together and breaking bread in their homes, they partook of food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Now this passage of scripture, like I said, I believe really helps us understand what church should be. This is really, in my mind, the ideal church. It didn't last long. You're going to read here in a few more chapters if you go home and look in Acts. Things kind of fall apart. And have been falling apart and getting better and falling apart and getting better for the last couple thousand years. But I believe this is really kind of the admiration and uh, uh, kind of the aspiration, excuse me, of what church should be. And as I read this in this very short passage, there are nine characteristics of what church life should be. So I want to go through those one by one and really talk about what church should be. First is learning. It says they learned together or uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching or they studied, they learned. It was a learning church. The early church actively tried to get to know Christ better, to get to know Scripture better, to get to know each other better through study. Now, these were people in in this passage, in this area, who were not educated. Uh, They were not the smart folks. They were not the scholars. Many of them probably couldn't read. Many of them were of just very common professional people and and in that day who couldn't read, couldn't write, didn't have an understanding of a lot of those things, but they studied and they learned and they listened to the apostles. They did whatever they could to learn about who Jesus was, how they should live as Christians, how they should become together as a, a, a church. One of the worst things I believe anyone can do is stop learning. I've heard people say that at various points in their lives. I'm glad I'm done with school I'm glad I'm done learning, I don't want to learn anything else ever again. <laughs> or I never want to go back to school, I never want to you know, take another test. Uh, and, and I feel very sorry for them because learning is so important. Your brain doesn't actually stop, uh, stop really developing physically until you're 25. Think of how much more uh, those connections and that growth can happen after that. Uh, there's just so much possibility and we need to continue to be learning followers of Jesus Christ next they were in fellowship Uh, Jeff talked a little bit about what we do before church that's fellowship it's a time when we can get together we can know each other the early church uh, really was a community they actually lived together they ate together uh, they really got to know each other and I'm so thankful with our community here many of us have really gotten to know each other uh, on a much deeper level not just uh, hey how are you Uh, and, and that kind of fellowship that we provide has allowed that so we continue uh, to kind of lose uh, some of that fellowship in our world. You know, I remember growing up that uh, everybody in the block was friends. You know, all the kids were friends. The adults got together. Uh, we had a sense of neighborhood, a sense of community. And, and we've lost that. I mean, in my life, I know we've lost that in the, in the community where I live, uh, and many of you the same. But we can truly, truly live that out here in the church. They were a praying church. They went to God before they went anywhere else. You've got to hear that. They went to God before they went anywhere else. They were in communication with God, first and foremost. Uh, Being uh, a praying church, being a praying person means you look to God for strength, guidance, wisdom, support. Uh, And we get a a few of those things, and we lose some of that when we don't spend the time we need with God. Uh, So being a praying church was very important. Reverence. Now, uh, the passage here in, in my book actually says, and fear came upon everyone, uh, but fear is a little different in uh, Greek and in Hebrew than uh, the word that we use for fear. Uh, the Common English Bible says, a sense of awe came over everyone. The idea here was that they stopped, looked, and listened to what God was doing in their lives. There's a wonderful Jewish tradition we've uh, kind of, Uh, Lost as Christians, uh, being being from a Jewish uh, faith ourselves, uh, Jesus being Jewish, we lost the idea of Sabbath. And on the Sabbath is the day uh, Jewish men and women worship. It's also a day that you do not work. It's a day that you stop working. And it's a wonderful, wonderful day because when you stop doing, when you stop working, when you stop creating, you actually see God working. And so reverence or having a sense of awe is really understanding that God is doing things in your life, in your world. Yes, we, uh, we, we see God working in miraculous ways, but God is working in miraculous ways every single day, every hour, maybe even every minute in ways we just take for granted. Uh, so being the church means really understanding that God is working in our lives. It was a happening place. It was a place where things happened. It says, uh, many wonders and miracles were done through and by the apostles. When we start to expect great things to happen because of our faith in Jesus Christ, believe it or not, great things start to happen. I truly believe if we start to believe together that God can truly do anything, God starts to do some pretty great things and amazing things. Next it was a sharing church and this is the the part we don't like uh because it says they sold everything they had and they distributed all the goods and that's socialism and you know that's a whole political issue but that's what the bible says so you know we have to deal with it. But uh, what's going on here is really an understanding that they're individually not the only people that mattered. The Greek culture very individualistic just like our culture is. And, and, and although uh, self-interest, being interested in ourselves, is okay, it's important, I believe Jesus modeled that, we also have to remember that there are other people around, and that as a church, sharing is vitally important. And we've shared some of that, uh, those stories of how we've uh, shared with each other. One of the things that we did, uh, many of the things we did last week were for this reason, so that we could share some of our gifts with our community, that we could share some of our joy with our community, and that's something that we think is really important as the church. Uh, And and we really see here the more that they cared about each other, uh, the better life got, uh, and the more meaningful life got. Now, they were a worshiping church. Uh, You can miss it depending on how you can miss a lot of things in this passage, if you read it quickly enough. But they went to the temple every day. You have to remember in their time when the early church was forming, the temple was one of the largest and grandest structures in the known world. It was a place where Jews from all over, and even Gentiles, non-Jews, came from hundreds of miles away even, from South Africa, from uh, even parts of Asia and, and, and north into the European provinces. People would come to worship God. Because in their belief, God lived in the temple. God lived, of course, or or sat on the Ark of the Covenant on the mercy seat, and that was in the temple behind a curtain and some walls and more walls and and more walls. It was hard to get to God, but he was there. And, of course, we believe that through Jesus Christ, God came smack dab right in the middle of our lives, each and every one of us. But it's important, you know, a lot of scholars and a lot of uh, uh, pastors and preachers say the early church didn't need a building you know they didn't worship in a building they worshiped in each other's homes yes they did that we read that but they did worship together in a big way and that was at the temple so worship was an important part of their life and they didn't do it in in just a few i mean they were worshiping with literally hundreds and thousands of people maybe singing songs from the book of Psalms, as we read the the early hymnal of the the early uh, Jewish people. So they were a worshiping church. They praised God, and that was an important part of their life together. Next, they were a happy church. Now, this is important. They were glad in all they did. Church for this Acts 2 church was not a bummer. I don't know. Somewhere along the line, we, we decided church had to be a downer. But according to Scripture, church was a place filled with gladness a place filled with uh, just a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving, a wonderful sense of awe. Now, we talked about reverence, and we, we associate reverence. You know, when we pray, we, we close our hands, we bow our head. I don't pray like this, but, I mean, this is what we, we teach people to do. And, uh, you know, we, we are silent, and we kneel sometimes, and that's how we pray, and that's good. It's good to have postures to pray. But we sometimes forget that being Christian isn't about uh, uh, isn't about being gloomy. It's not being about down. In, in fact, being a gloomy Christian is a contradiction. You can't be down and out if you have life in Jesus Christ. Because if you are experiencing new life in Jesus Christ, you're actually experiencing something much greater than happiness. Happiness, which is very fleeting, that's all another sermon. But you're experiencing something we call joy. Something that can't be taken away. Something that just permeates your whole being and spreads throughout. I was going to say like wildfire, and that's very inappropriate. But you you get the metaphor. And maybe it isn't very appropriate because we've been dealing with that this summer, many places. It does, it just shoots out everywhere. And that leads us into this last part the early church was likable. It says, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And why, did, why, why were people coming to them? Because you, if you look back in, in the previous uh, part of that verse, because people saw them and looked on them with favor. People looked at the church and saw something Worth having. Now, uh, the word in one of these uh, translations is good. They saw something good. The church was something good. And, and if you look into the Greek word, which was the original language here in uh, the book of Acts, was written in, there are actually two words that we have as good. The first one means, the first one, which here I'll tell you what the word is: agathos. It's fancy. You can use that at a party next week. Agathos, which means good, it means something is good. But the word that they use here to describe the church, people saw that the church was good. They looked with favor upon it. That word is kalos. And that means not only is it good, but it looked good. So what they're saying is the church was a good thing. Yes, inside it was good, but outside good. It was very appealing. People were seeing what was happening and were drawn into it because of all those other things. Now, I have some uh, wonderful memories. I, I, I think I've said this before. One of my early, early memories of the church was when I was three or four years old at my, uh, the church where I was born, Fenton, United Methodist Church over in Fenton, that way. That way, actually. A little country church, a wonderful, wonderful uh, rural church. And, and, and I've told you, um, I think, this story before, but I remember uh, sitting under the table where, you know, like that table back there where refreshments are, sitting under that refreshments table, you know, where they had donuts and coffee and stuff after church, and, and just watching people in fellowship. Now, that's not the only memories I have of church, and thankfully I have a lot of great memories of church, uh, memories of uh, experiencing God in people sharing together, memories of uh, times when God really just came close to me in worship, in uh, some small concerts after church or on, on a weeknight, times in youth group that people really started to listen to me and take me seriously, times in leadership, times in mission. You know, I don't remember a lot about uh, Sunday school. <laughs> Uh, I actually don't remember a lot of sermons. Uh, My dad's not here. Maybe he's listening. But um, they were generally pretty good, but I don't remember a lot of them, a few of them. I don't remember many of my own, so it's good that I write some of them down. But what I do remember and what really stays with me is when we come together as a church like we did last week and things start to happen, when we really begin to follow Christ and people's lives begin to change. When we get a whole bunch of people who have that changed life, and we go into the community, and the community starts to change. So that's what acting like the church is all about. Acting like the church is is so important to us here at New Life that we've really developed our worship experience off of Acts 2. You'll notice some very similar things that I talked about. Uh, We believe that fellowship is very important. During fellowship we pray, we break bread together, we eat together. We also believe that learning is very important, that we need to learn together, that we need to open the Bible, <clears throat> that we need to read it, and we, and we do it throughout the week as well. And then we worship together because we believe praising God is something that makes us glad, something that helps us, something that just is a wonderful, wonderful blessing to be able to worship and honor God in that way, and something that, even though we're doing it for God, something that really benefits us. Now, that's a lot of stuff. (laughs) But not everything we do here uh, can kind of uh, overcast all of those characteristics that I talked about. We can't have one worship service that gets all of these things and just shoves them in your face. Because I can't make you glad. And I can't make people like you and I can't make you have a generous heart. So some of this you have to kind of do on your own. And, and it really comes out in some of the attitudes that we have. So there are a few attitudes, and you know I, I say this because being part of the church means working together, it means living together, uh, but it also means growing individually in Jesus Christ. So these are some attitudes that I think are positive attitudes if we really want to be the church as individuals and then as a group. Uh, the first is devotion. Being in the church is a commitment. Now, if you remember in Cheers, there were some very committed patrons <laughs> who were there every single day. But it's the same, right? If you're if you're on a sports team or if you're in a club or how many uh, other things that you do where you have to be committed. Uh, so often in the church, we, you know, we we let you not be committed because I can't make you be committed. But it is if you want to do it well, it is something that takes commitment. We need to take time to come to worship, to serve in the church, to serve in our community, and to learn on our own. Make learning part of your daily routine. Next, reverence. So the first attitude is devotion. The second is reverence. We really have to stop and be awestruck about what God's doing. I I try to keep a journal and uh, write in it every day, and one of the things I do, I, I work through scripture, but one of the other things I do is really stop and say, where have I seen God today? And, and mo- normally, on a normal day, I can say, you know, two or three or a dozen different things, places I can see God. Uh, and, and that comes by doing that day after day. But even the days when I don't see God are important. There are days I need to write that down. I need to say, okay, why didn't I see God? What was I doing? What was I, who was I talking to? Who was I in a relationship that's, that's taking that awe away from me? Next, generosity. We have to learn to share with joyous hearts. I believe generosity is really a key to finding and growing in new life in Jesus Christ. I mean, for me and Jennifer, uh, generosity is something that defines us, something we want to be known by, but it's also something that brings us closer to Christ day by day. We can be generous in our time, in our talents, what, what gifts we have, in our money, how we spend our money, and in our service. And, and many of us were generous in, in many of those ways uh, last week. Finally, an attitude of thanksgiving. We have to be thankful. We have to give thanks. We have to praise God when things are going great. And we have to praise God when things aren't going so great. Yes, stop. every I day had, right i have a grand i had a grand mal seizure oh. uh, not a uh, couple not too long ago yeah i, I even forget yeah uh, I yeah i mean i, I Well, they're out there. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. So, we've given us as a church a lot to do. We've given us as individuals a lot to do. So, now we go back to the idea that this is a list of rules, this is a, a set of guidelines. And I don't want us to confuse what we aspire to as a list of things we have to do. Because what is here in this book of Acts in this second chapter that we read a lot and we will read a lot because it's so important is what we hope the ideal church will be. What we hope new life can be as the church. But it doesn't happen by forcing ourselves to do these things. It happens because we have uh, a direction and that direction is in Jesus Christ and it happens because we understand that we can do these things because we're given power by the Holy Spirit. So the the early church knew that maybe better than anything. And if you read earlier in the second chapter, that's the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon those early disciples. And it empowered them to do all of that stuff. It empowered them to be devout and reverent and generous and thankful. It empowered them to be a happy and likable church. It empowered them to study daily and worship daily and give everything they had to each other and love each other and be a community. But to do any of that, we have to understand where that power comes. And we have to have experienced that new life. So the first step, and that's why we've named our congregation New Life, is to experience new life in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit comes upon us and empowers us and we can start to be guided and to be strengthened in these things. So I want to make sure we, we all kind of leave on uh, the same page. Acting like the church is not really about what we do. It's not about the rules we set. It's not the guidelines we live by. But it's really about who we follow. And that person is Jesus Christ. That's the uh, Acts 2 church kind of... Live that. We hope we live that. We understand that uh, I- as you read here later in these passages, they stopped following Jesus Christ and the community fell apart. So, to do these many wonderful, amazing things, you know, we don't have to work harder, we don't have to uh, pray any harder, we don't have to uh, do things that we are incapable of doing. But we do have to walk together in new life following Jesus Christ. And we, do ha- we have to sing a little song here. <laughs> All right, we can do that too. Uh, but we can be united together uh, and we can be empowered by the Spirit. Amen. All right, uh, let's transition to the uh, final part of our worship experience, the praise part of our worship. Uh, we do that again just like we Uh, celebrate in the Acts 2 church being part of a praising community is so so important Uh, before we do that we're going (laughs) to share we believe sharing is also important part of our uh, worship experience we're also going to pray here uh, so you'll see some of that stuff we get into Uh, we will be uh, during my prayer or after my prayer before the band um, starts to play uh, we will be collecting um, our offering for the night that goes to support the ministry of this church which is of course a young church, uh, and uh, we just thank you for all of your support and uh, all the ability you have to give. Uh, And we're gonna talk a little bit about what we need to kind of move into the second year of our uh, ministry uh, next year. So before we do that, I do encourage you, if you uh, are a uh, guest tonight, uh, or if you have not connected to us, uh, please rip off that communication card, fill it out, give it to me if you have it filled out, put it in the offering baskets as they come along really want to get connected to you uh, so that you know what's going on and can be involved in our community. Uh, So uh, before we do that, let's uh, have a word of prayer as we remember those who are not here uh, and those who need God's mercy and grace this evening. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful day, for this wonderful week of a beautiful weather of rain of those things we've been praying for, of answered prayers daily, weekly, big things and small things. Lord, we ask now that you truly be with us, that you empower us by your Holy Spirit as we come to you in worship, as we do stand in your presence, as we do come together. Unite us, make us one. Also allow us to share that love with others. Lord, we thank you for all of those who lead us. We ask that you be with the leaders of this nation, the leaders of our world, the leaders of our community, the leaders of this church. Help all of those who lead lead us closer to you. Lord, we thank you for all of those who serve. We thank you for those who serve our military men and women overseas, those at home, those who risk their lives for us, police officers and firefighters and emergency workers, those who make our roads better those who make our lawns neater, those who serve us at our favorite restaurant. Help us serve all of those people. Help us serve those servants who we neglect, who we forget about, who we don't acknowledge. Be with them. Shed your grace upon them. Lord, we ask that you be with all of those who are sick, all of those who are ill, all of those who just need healing and grace. Be with all of those who... Our victims of injustice. Help us fight for them when they cannot fight for themselves. Lord, most of all, we ask that you be with your church. We know we have gone astray many times since that early community. But we ask that you can make this community and all of our communities truly be the church. We thank you for our sponsoring congregation Roscoe and all of those congregations in the Rockford and DeKalb and uh, Northern Illinois Conference who have just been supportive of this ministry and encouraged this ministry. We ask that you be with new life. That you just truly lift her up. Strengthen her. Bringing us closer together so that we can be in the community living transformed lives. New life. So that this community may experience new life. We pray these things in your holy name. Amen.